for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, five, or five. What's up, listeners, and welcome to the Force 5 Podcast, the show where I force my guests to come up with a movie-themed top five list, and then we reveal our picks on air. I'm your host, ex-video store clerk, undiscovered screenwriter, and fellow list nerd, Jason Kleberg. Whether they're simply the catalyst for the plot kicking off or the main character of the film, a helpful sidekick or a terrifying adversary, dogs have always been an extremely important part of cinema. Certain breeds of dogs are intrinsically linked to their iconic silver screen characters like Lassie for the Border Collie or Beethoven to the giant St. Bernard. Some of our list topics here on Force 5 can be a little niche, a little narrow, but this topic, selected by David Rosen from the Piecing It Together podcast, is a topic that anybody can play along with. So I invite you, think about your top five favorite film canines as we get into our list topic today, because I would love to know which film dogs we missed. Before we get to that, we had some great suggestions from last week's topic with Jackson Bourne, which was top five movie promotional tie-ins. So what did we miss? Friend of the show, Sean, said, how could you go the entire podcast without either of you bringing up the power glove in The Wizard? I was also waiting to hear about the talk boy from Home Alone 2, but my ears were let down. I'm sorry we let you down, Sean. I should have thought of The Wizard. I definitely should have thought of the talk boy. What am I thinking? What am I thinking? Uh, Over on Instagram, at Swazimoto said both Matrix Nokia phones. One of those made my list. Jordan from Filmshake over on Twitter said, So glad the Godzilla Taco Bell tie-ins made it into the mentions. Those cups and that commercial just live in my brain. At an experiment said he has a soft spot for the episode one promotion since he helped set them up for Pepsi and Frito-Lay back in the day. Over on the Cinematics Facebook page, both Pete from the Middle Class Film Class and Ken Cunningham said the high-quality drinking glasses, which I just really miss seeing all those pictures. Ken Cunningham posted one of uh, Star Trek, and it just looks so cool. I don't know why they don't do those anymore. Matt Stillman said when the Simpsons movie came out, they converted his local 7-Eleven into a quickie mart that sold Duff beer. That's fucking awesome. I, I wish I would have seen one of those. And Bruce Perky from the Find Your Film podcast showed off a Canadian diner called Lester D's that sells a psycho Gorman Happy Meal type of thing, which is absolutely amazing. If you want to get in on the action, there's a few ways to do it. Force5Pod on Twitter, Force5Podcast on Instagram, head to the website Force5Podcast.com, send me an email at Force5Podcast at gmail.com, or go over to the Cinematics Facebook page. As for what I've been watching since I last talked to you, I have seen a lot of TV. There's a new show on Hulu called The Reboot, which I think is really clever and really inventive. Uh, Over also on Hulu, I've been watching The Bear, which is a fantastic, really high energy show. I've been catching up on the new Game of Thrones House of Dragons, which solid, you know, putting the chess pieces together. But so far, it's been solid. And uh, I saw a movie, Jordan Peele's newest, called Nope. Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say since the moment pictures could move, we had skin in the game. 
Nope is about the convergence of a few people in a desert town near Los Angeles called Agua Dulce as they all discover something strange hanging around in the sky. The main character is OJ, played by Daniel Kaluuya. He's inherited a horse farm that trains horses for Hollywood films. His sister Emerald, played by Kiki Palmer, is an underachieving but multi-talented Hollywood hopeful. Also in town is Jupe, played by Steven Ewan, an ex-child actor who endured a tragedy on set and now runs a small western theme park close by. Rounding out the main cast is Angel, a Fry's installation technician. Now there's a lot to unpack with Nope, but I guess I'll start by referencing Jordan Peele's first two films by saying Nope is far closer in execution to Us versus Get Out. I think that Get Out is a brilliant film, one with a clear story that, well, outlandish, makes sense. The themes are well outlined, the character motivations are clear. In contrast, Us was technically brilliant, but to me it didn't make sense. When held up to scrutiny, the plot just simply falls apart, no matter how many uh, episodes of Twilight Zone you try to cram in. Now, Nope is technically brilliant. The framing of shots are amazing. The actors are great. The music is haunting. There are several scenes here that are absolutely terrifying. But when you apply logic to the proceedings, again, the film falls apart. As the credits on Nope ran, I felt a lot of the same feelings I had about watching The Master in that the parts were much greater than the sum. I had a lot of fun watching Nope, but once the mystery is solved, there are a lot of things that just don't make sense. But let's start at the beginning. The opening scene featuring a killer chimp on a television sitcom set is terrifying, even if the CGI chimp doesn't look great. It's followed by a shot at the ranch as objects fall from the sky, again super well done. There's an extremely effective scene featuring a western ranch that will probably stick with me for a very long time. There are several themes here that I see at play in Nope, and maybe honing in on one or two of these themes would have made things a little more clear, a little more streamlined. For example, there's the theme of unspoken agreements with predators, uh, i.e. not looking them in the eye. There's also the theme of trauma and how people deal with and manifest that trauma. There's a the theme of whites taking accomplishments from black people. And finally, the theme of capturing that impossible shot in a film. And very few of these wrap up in a satisfying way. Take the last two, for example. OJ and Emerald believe that a clear shot of the thing in the sky is going to change their lives. And perhaps that's true, but it's certainly not a guarantee in an age when you can look at Twitter and see extremely well-done fakes swapping Willem Dafoe into Julia Roberts' role in Pretty Woman. Now, we are supposed to believe that if they end up with this photo, it's a huge victory, and I just am not convinced of that. Now, Nope is my second favorite Jordan Peele movie, but it's a far, far distance from Get Out. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Again, I think it's really well made, but once you understand the mystery and kind of dissect what's going on, it just doesn't feel complete. Again, it's like, um, it's, it's really leaning on these Twilight Zone influences that are fun to watch. I, I really would have liked more of Steven Yuen's character. I thought he was the most interesting thing in here, and unfortunately, we just don't get a whole lot of him. I still think Nope is worth watching. I, I know I'm in the minority of saying I didn't really love it. I think it's worth watching. It's technically really sound, and it's got some really great moments. It just did not come together for me. Speaking of coming together, come together with your friends because it's football season, and today's sponsor is bringing you all the hits, all the scores, and all the excitement. That's KBEX KBEX TV. This Thursday, tune in and see what could be a Pantheon Cup preview as the San Francisco Knights, led by the hard-hitting linebacker Bobby Boucher, try to slow down Steeman Willie Beeman and the Miami Sharks. 
And on Sunday, stock up on snacks because you will not be leaving that couch as Icebox O'Shea, Rudy Zoltek, and the Houston Cattlemen go up against future Hall of Famer Shane Falco and the California Crusaders. And in the late game, it's the Battle of the Bible Belt as the Kansas City Twisters roll into Omaha for a showdown with defensive monster Charles Jefferson and the Nebraska Lumberjacks. KBEX TV, your source for pigskin action this winter. Welcome back to the Force 5 Podcast, and welcome back, David Rosen. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I am uh, just in the middle of podcast after podcast, but this one I'm really excited for. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, last time we had you on, it was way back, episode 37, when you picked uh, top five movies based on video games, which was, as we discovered after you picked the topic, kind of slim pickings. But <laughs> today's topic, top five movie dogs. Yeah, is a fruitful one. There's enough here to fill a couple of lists. We're going to talk about all things dogs here in just a moment. But before we get to our lists, uh, what have you been up to lately? Obviously, your show, your music still going strong. So let's start with piecing it together. How's your podcast going? Podcast is going great. We just hit episode 255, which, uh, yeah, a lot of podcasting for sure. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going strong. Lots of great new guests and new voices on the show. And it's just, uh, so much fun. Uh, for people who don't know, we talk about movies through the lens of what other movies inspired them. And so each episode, uh, doesn't just review the new movie, but gets to talk about a whole bunch of other movies along the way. And it's a kind of a different, unique, way to, uh, you know, to cover a movie and to discuss movies and dig into movie history in a way. Yeah, 255 episodes, that's a lot of podcasting. But uh, <laughs> what are some of those like episodes that you've been really proud of recently that you would want people to check out? Oh, man, there's been a lot. I mean, I, I could say 255 was uh, Men, Alex Garland's Men, which was mm. a really weird one to dig into. Uh, we actually had two really weird ones in a row there because we did Cronenberg's uh, Crimes of the Future right before that. Um, so those are back to back. And and I will say uh, Men, one of the puzzle pieces ends up on my list today of uh, top Ooh. five dogs and movies. So I guess that's a good uh, call back, call forward. I don't know, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Some foreshadowing. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get there. So yeah, after you're done with this, head over to Piecing It Together and uh, check that out. What about your music? You've, you're scoring some things. You're making music. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, uh, this year I scored um, a feature called Move Me No Mountain, which is out in the festival circuit right now. Hopefully uh, there'll be more news about that soon. Um, but I'm also currently working on a new album that will be out later this year. I'm actually working concurrently on two new albums. I'm, I'm hoping to basically be able to schedule out the releases of albums and music videos and singles and all that for like a whole year, year and a half. So a lot of new music coming soon. I just released the first single from the new album. It's called Antiviral and there's a music video for it on my YouTube channel. Um, so yeah, lots of new music coming soon and uh, really excited about a lot of it. Just, you know, I, I, I love making music and I love uh, where where my career has been taking me lately. So uh, it's just some really exciting stuff and hopefully people enjoy it. That's awesome. What's the name of the movie that we need to look out for again? 
It's called Move Me No Mountain. And uh, yeah, it's uh, made by a uh, Vegas film na- filmmaker named Deborah Richards. And uh, it's, a, it's a drama. And um, yeah, it just had its first test screening here in Las Vegas at a, uh, the Nevada Women's Film Festival. And uh, like I said, is in other festivals right now doing the whole circuit thing. And hopefully people will be able to see it wider sometime soon. Cool. We'll have to look for that. And if that movie is out by the time this podcast comes out, there will be links in the show notes, links to everything. So just go to the show notes. Yes. Now, dogs, movie dogs. What's the inspiration for the topic? By the way, great topic. Super excited to talk dogs. What brought this up for you? Well, dogs are literally always on my mind. Like the only thing I love more than movies is dogs. And, you know, I, I have a dog, Harvey. Um, he's the best dog in the whole world. Um, and I've had many dogs throughout my life. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 there's something about dogs in movies. They're, they're such great characters, whether they're, uh, funny dogs or sweet dogs or cute dogs or even scary dogs in some cases. Um, they, they just make for great characters. And it's like, you know, one thing about this topic is like, I didn't want to specifically, even though it, it could, some of our picks could turn into this. I didn't want it to be dog movies specifically. I wanted to to narrow in on actual good dogs in movies, you know, like the actual yeah, individuals yeah. and uh, call some attention to some dogs that deserve some recognition. Uh, what kind of dog is Harvey? Harvey is a mix of a whole bunch of stuff. He, he, he's a chug dog, a chihuahua pug, but also a bunch okay. of other stuff. Um, he's got shih tzu in him. He even has a little bit of golden retriever in him. He's got like all kinds of things. Um, he's He's just got like a whole lot. We, we did one of those, uh, you know, DNA test things, and uh, my wife can rattle off the whole list, but um, I'm I'm drawing a blank on some of the other things that are in there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he, he's the best. He's uh, 14. He's going to be 15 soon, and he's on a million medications and for heart issues and all kinds of other stuff. But he's he's doing great though, and uh, he loves watching movies with me, and he loves snacks and nap time and all that stuff. I wish I had a dog that took nap times. I have a German shepherd named Khaleesi who is just uh, always on patrol, not a (laughs) snuggler. Um, She's the one that's going to keep the house safe, which, you know what? I'm all right with. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. um, Speaking of, uh, I do not have any German shepherds on my list and not necessarily on purpose, but all of my dogs are different breeds. Um, In terms of like highlighting the dogs, I do have... I have a couple that are like just really great dogs, but I do have a couple where the movie is centered around said dog. So it'll be interesting to see how we line up. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you put any other restrictions on yourself when it came to narrowing down your list? Because there are a ton of great movie dogs. Yeah, no, not really. Uh, for me, I was just I was just trying to think of dogs that either stuck with me or made me laugh or were particularly like awesome dogs or particularly cute or particularly just uh, fun to watch in the movie. And uh, so, yeah, no, there isn't really any kind of like strict uh, category involved in there. It's just I just wanted to talk about some great dogs. <laughs> cool. Are they all live action dogs? Good question. Um, yes, there's probably some CGI involved in some of this, but uh, but yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was actually another restriction I put on myself. I did not put any animated dogs on my list, 
really only for the reason that there could be a whole other animated dogs list. I think there's just so many out there to choose from. So yeah, that that's fair. And I mean, shout out to Scooby Doo, but I mean, yeah, I think I think that's a <laughs> that's a good restriction. So yes. All right, David Rosen, you ready to get into this list? Let's do it. You know what's gonna happen? Mm. You know what's happening no, 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 right no, no, now? No, 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 you know what's gonna happen? No, 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 no. What? No. You just made the list. Top five movie dogs. Uh, Mr. Rosen, why don't you kick us off here? David Rosen from Piecing It Together. What is your number five on top five movie dogs? I went back and forth a lot on my number five. My numbers four, three, two, and one are like etched in stone. But number five, I was like, oh, I have a lot of choices here. But I went with the stoner classic Half-Baked and Killer the Rottweiler. Oh, <laughs> kill, killer, kill. Um, I, I, I just, this dog is, uh, is a Rottweiler and it's so cute. And, um, Jim Brewer goes on this totally just rambled off stream of conscious backstory to killer about how, uh, his bitch mom had these pups and went through all these hardships and, you know, and, and then when he gets to the end of the whole thing, he's just like, Wow. Like, like he's like surprised himself with how wild the story of Killer is. Um, the, the whole backstory because he's, of course, so stoned. First of all, to understand what happened to Killer, you got to understand who Killer the dog was. Now, Killer was born to a three legged bitch of a mother. He was always ashamed of this, man. And then right after that, he's adopted by this man, Tito Lebo. He's a small-time gun runner and uh, Rottweiler fight promoter. So he puts Killer into training. They say, you know, Killer's good. He is damn good. But then he had the fight of his life. Pit him against his brother Nibbles. And Killer said, no, man, that's my brother. I can't fight Nibbles. And he made him fight anyway. And Killer killed Nibbles. Killer said, that's it. He called off all his fights, and he started doing crack, and he freaked out. And then in a rage, he collapsed. And his heart no longer beat. Wow. And uh, it's just such like a ridiculous, like funny stoner moment. And Stoner movies and dogs kind of go hand in hand. I feel like there's a lot of stoner movies that have really funny dog performances in them. Uh, yeah. But, but th this is like the best one though, I feel like. And uh, you could kind of like sum up that particular sub-genre category of movie dog with killer. And uh, every time, every time I, I watch that movie, uh, that that whole story of killers – and I mean, how many – movie dogs get a backstory really like stop every <laughs> stop everything in the plot to go tell the backstory uh it doesn't happen very often and it always makes me laugh so much that's a movie that i gotta go back and rewatch. i don't think i've seen half baked since probably the late 90s when that, it came out so. that's fair yeah i i haven't seen it in quite a few years myself but uh it was a heavy rotation during college for sure yeah, I think the last time, actually, the last time I saw it was probably when the Chappelle show got big mm, and yeah. we just kind of wanted to dive into other things he had done. But that was probably 2003, 2004. Last that time sounds I saw about it. right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Th this show, 
top five movie dogs has been in the making for a long time between you and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had to delay it first because you had COVID and then we had to delay it another time because I was moving. And we had both made our lists a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Well, this was a very recent addition to my list. I had to knock somebody off for this one because uh, I just watched a movie called Prey. Yes. And there's a dog in this movie called Saudi that had to be on my list. Why do you want to hunt? Because you all think that I can't. I saw a sign in the sky. I'm ready. Mamoy, Nita. For those who haven't seen Prey, it's or heard of Prey, it's presumably the origin story of the predator on Earth. And the story follows this aspiring tribal warrior named Nadu, a teenage girl who's trained in medicine but believes she can be the tribe's war chief someday. But in order to do this, you got to hunt something that could hunt you, traditionally like a lion or a bear or a jaguar. But unfortunately for Nadu, she runs up against the predator. <laughs> she, as a warrior, is a skilled axe thrower, but there is no way that she would have been able to contest this alien without the help of her trusty dog, Sadi. Uh, this dog is named Coco. In real life, she's a Carolina dog. And she just has some of the best scenes in this movie. Have you seen Prey? I have. And as a matter of fact, I'm really happy you included this dog on your list because it's in my honorable mentions. Um, nice. Yeah. And, uh, and an incredible performance. I mean, we knew we were going into this movie and getting a Predator movie. We knew it was going to be like this Comanche, like uh, warrior thing. We didn't know it was going to be a dog mom movie. Um, and yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. a really nice surprise. Yeah. And- She's kind of a small breed dog, um, so she's not there for brute force, but she's there for smarts and helping out her owner how she can, which is going to be kind of a, a theme with my number four as well. She helps Nadu escape from a bear by tailing a bear away at one point. She is a uh, a huge help in the climax of the film, which I will not spoil for people, uh, but go see Prey. Go watch this dog, Saudi. In it's just an amazing performance by this Carolina dog who was pulled out of an Atlanta dog shelter to be in this movie and basically went from shelter dog to movie star overnight. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's an awesome story. I love that. So, um, yeah, Saudi from Prey is my number five. Great pick. Um, my number four. Uh, so some of these dogs are cute and cuddly and all that. This dog's pretty scary. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Coen brothers, no country for old men and the pit bull that chases Llewellyn Moss into the river. America's critics agree. The most exciting movie of the year has arrived. Call it. There's no movie more eye popping. No movie more mind blowing. Can't stop what's coming. No movie more spellbinding. You know how this is going to turn out, don't you? Nope, I think you do. That no country for old men. Rated R, now playing. And this... Oh, yeah. This scene is one of the most intense 
and scary like things I've ever seen in a movie. Um, but because it's a dog, it, it just it adds this extra layer. And it's the kind of thing Coen Brothers do, mixing comedy and, uh, you know, real intensity all the time. And a lot of their movies, like really just darkly funny stuff. So to set up the scene, Luella Moss, who uh, has has found this money at the, at this crime scene, goes home, but then decides to go back because he feels bad for this guy who's left in a in a truck and bring him some water. And of course, going back, listening to his conscience. Now the people have come back for their money. They're chasing him. They're shooting at him. They actually get him with one shot. And he thinks he's going to run and, and swim away in a river and they're not going to be able to get him. And all of a sudden, this big ass pit bull comes running down <laughs> and chases him into the river. And it's like, oh my God, this is so scary. And also, like, just incredibly shot. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure who the cinematographer is on this, but I mean, they always work with the best. But uh, it's, it's one of, like, to me, like my, uh, like, system test things like you know when i wanted to like try a new tv out and and watch it, i watch this scene because it's just so beautiful but you know once the dog is in the water chasing after him he's just doggy paddling and he's like panting like <laughs> as he's chasing him and it's just so intense and scary but it's also like almost cute because this dog is panting as it's like you know chasing after him and uh yeah, I, I actually read uh, some like behind the scenes thing that this dog was just like a total love swimmer dog. Like he just loves swimming and they would like throw a toy out and he'd swim after it. And that's how they got the shots. And <laughs> that just adds to it even more. Just knowing, you know, that that darkly comic thing of what the Coen brothers do to know that this dog was just having so much fun shooting that scene. Um, just it even elevates it even more. And uh, yeah, so so that's why it's my number four pick. That's one that I didn't even think of when it came to this list, but you're right. That is an amazing scene. It's shot by Roger Deakins. I'm fairly I, sure Roger Deakins was the cinematographer on that. I which figured it probably it was so is. Brilliant. Yeah, I figured it probably is. Man, that, that scene starts with Llewellyn Moss down, you know, with the sky, and then you just see these trucks appear at the top of this hill, mm. lights come on, and uh, yeah, he darts for that water. Really, really well shot scene. Yeah. And unfortunately, of course, the dog does die in this scene, but there would kind of be no movie if he didn't. So, you know, it's 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 a movie. So, yeah. <laughs> he catches Llewellyn Moss and the movie's over. 25 oh, he, minutes he would be done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my number four, I kind of alluded to it. This is another small dog that helps out the protagonist with his brains and his abilities rather than his brute strength. And just like uh, Nadu in Prey, I do not think that Stanley Ipkiss would have had a chance in 1994's The Mask without his dog, Milo. You are the nicest guy. Stanley Ipkiss was just your average nice guy. What are you doing down there? Until he came face to face with The Mask. These powers, I could be. But first, Jim Carrey is the mask. Rated PG-13. Parents strongly caution. Starts Friday, July 29th. This is a Jim Carrey movie. He plays Stanley Ipkiss, this bank clerk who's just kind of like 
He's kind of a loser going through the motions every day, and he finds this magical wooden green mask that transforms him into the mask, this green face troublemaker with the ability to cartoonishly alter himself and his surroundings at will. And he starts using these powers to fight crime, only to become targeted by a gangster who ends up also wanting the mask. So um, his dog Milo is a Jack Russell Terrier, mm. who's just the most loyal, cutest dog this dog saves Stanley's ass time and time again. Oh, There's yeah. two scenes that really stand out. Uh, once is during a scene when he's stuck in jail and you see the dog. Um, the dog jumps like inhuman levels to get to Stanley through this window. And then Stanley has the dog go get the jail keys from a sleeping guard in a scene that's just, it's amazing. You see the dog pulling very lightly on the key as to not wake the guard up. It's great. The best scene with Milo, or really uh, one of the most creative scenes with Milo, is near the climax of the film, when the mask itself is soaring through the air, and Milo grabs it from the hands of these gangsters and then puts his head into the mask, mm. and all of a sudden you have him turn into this wild cartoon dog well, it's, it's like Milo's body, but it's like this really zany green head that uh, is is so wonderful. Him just terrorizing this gangster who's trying to shoot him. Um, yeah, I had to include Milo from The Mask. This is one of the first ones that came to me when I started coming up with my list. And nice. I watched a couple of clips just to like get back into The Mask. And I ended up watching most of the movie just because it's so damn fun. That's a movie I haven't watched in a long time. And uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I loved it back then. I mean, that run of Jim Carrey movies in the 90s were just all just some of my favorite movies at the time. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Milo is awesome. Do you remember there was a moment there in like in that that period? I mean, Milo would be part of it where Jack Russell's were like huge in pop culture. Like, yeah, in a lot of movies. Yeah, they were known as like the really smart dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a great pick there and uh and I think uh I think Milo ended up being a I think there was a cartoon of Milo if I'm not mistaken. Like I think they it actually was, like yeah. yeah, an animated series or something. Yep, The Mask had an animated series. Milo was a big part of that series. He may have had his own thing too. I mean, The Mask was a huge hit. Yeah. If you look at comic book movies, Batman was the highest grossing comic book movie of all time or the most profitable comic book movie of all time. And The Mask was number two all That's the way crazy. up until 2019 when the Joker surpassed it. So it's probably still number three. That's wild. That would be like if Ant-Man was like the second biggest Marvel movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it was a budget of like $30 million and it ended up making like $220 million. It's crazy. Wild. <laughs> but yeah, that's also the movie that really cemented Jim Carrey as, as the go, one of the go-to comedic actors in Hollywood. Absolutely. Definitely. All right. Number three for you. Number three for me uh, is just a few years old, but still to this day, like to me, the best action sequences I've maybe ever seen. Uh, it's John Wick Chapter 3. Perhaps you were not listening before. The social contract, the commerce of relationships. You have received a great gift. I have hosted your friend. What do you offer in return? So soft and yet so fierce. I love it, this dog. I will keep it. Excuse me? This will be my gift. 
This will be how you show me your fail. No. Surely it's the least you can do. No, you cannot keep my dog. Very well. Very well. And I will kill you. And of course, dogs have a lot to do with the entire John Wick series. But chapter three is where John Wick has to team up with Halle Berry's character and her Belgian Malinois dogs that some of the most incredible choreography I've ever seen as, you know, you've got all that John Wick gun foo going on, just, you know, nonstop people getting shot in the face with guns. But at the same time, these dogs just attacking from every angle and they're just running up walls or jumping over like obstacles and biting people and spinning and swinging off of things. And it's just incredible, nonstop, insane choreography in these fight sequences. Um, I I can't wait for the next one. I hope that they continue. I mean, like I said, like dogs have always been a big part of this series. Um, but I, I hope that they lean into this some more with the next one because uh, I, those scenes just absolutely blew me away. And I know a lot of people like were maybe a little worn out on the John Wick thing by the third one, but uh, those scenes, I just don't know how you cannot watch them and just be like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, and and I was reading a little bit about this one too, and uh, those dogs were causing a lot of trouble because uh, the area where they were filming, there were a lot of like stray cats, and they were just chasing those cats every <laughs> single time like when they were trying to get takes. And uh Again, I, I love it when there's those behind-the-scenes stories about these dogs. It's great. That's a great pick. I love that scene. Actually, when I watch this, so I very rarely re-watch movies in theaters. Mm-hmm. Normally, I like to get a good uh, a good amount of time between first viewing and second viewing. So normally, that's theater and then right when it comes out on Blu-ray. That's a good amount of time for me. Sure. Saw this movie with my best friend and immediately came home and told my wife, hey, we got to go watch John Wick 3 in theaters because you need to see this. And the scene that kept coming back to me was the scene. It, it's incredible, the stuff that they're doing. Yeah. Uh, like you said, jumping up walls to, to pull people down. I, I don't know how they did this choreography. It is just bonkers. It's completely insane. And uh, yeah, I, every time I watch this movie, I'm just like in awe of how they were able to not, not just choreograph it, but get the dogs to do this stuff. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, my number three here is going a little bit more into the horror direction. And this is going to be a Tibetan Mastiff named Max from 1993's Man's Best Friend. Man's Best Friend is a howl. Max the dog really has bite. Like a psychotic lassie or a canine terminator. I was at the edge of my seat. I love this film. Move over, Cujo, and make room for Max. Man's Best Friend, rated R, coming soon to a theater near you. You know, I rewatched it recently. I wouldn't say that it's a great movie, but I do think that the dog is a great character. He's adorable, by the way. No matter how scary he is, he's adorable. <laughs> Max is uh, is being held at this research facility called Emax as the movie starts, and he's rescued by a reporter named Lori, played by Ali Sheedy, who's doing a story on the place. 
And she gets mixed up into some trouble while she's there trying to get some undercover information. And uh, on her way out, she steals Max. So she frees him and this bond is born. Now, what Lori doesn't know is that in this Emacs facility, uh, they are genetically engineering animals. And so Max is is a dog, but Max's DNA is spliced with various predators from birds to snakes to chameleons <laughs> to jaguars. I mean, all of these amazing predators, bears. And for some reason, and this is never explained, uh, the dog also understands English and the various inner workings of very complex things like cars, which we realize when at one point he chews the brake lines on somebody's car and can also nonsensically pee acid, which he uses on somebody's face at one point in the film. <laughs> now, there's a fine line when, when it comes to dogs, especially between protective and overprotective, and Max is definitely overprotective. This is a horror movie. He kills people on a whim for messing with either him or with his perceived owner, Lori. And uh, those traits of, of predators being spliced in the DNA come at inopportune moments for those people that are watching Max. The mm. standout scene is uh, so Lori is like Max needs to go for a walk. These neighborhood kids are at her house and they're you know, trying to play with Max. And she asks them if they want to take Max for a walk. So they do. And they're maybe like 12 and 13 years old and they're taking Max for a walk. And Max sees a cat. Now I know my German shepherd, like not good with other animals and mm -hmm. will try to go after cats, but I got a leash, you know, I'm strong enough to hold, <laughs> hold the, the dog. And uh, once in a while I have seen cats climb up trees because yeah. they're scared of my dog. Well, uh, that's what happens. A cat sees Max, climbs up a tree, but Max has the DNA of a jaguar, climbs up the tree oh, no. with uh, like claw over claw. And then we get a scene of Max devouring the cat whole like a snake <laughs> in the tree. It's, uh, it's amazing. That's Max from Man's Best Friend. Had to be on my list here at number three. I know this movie doesn't have like good reviews or whatnot, but I literally <laughs> just added it to my watch list while you were talking. It's a whole lot of fun. It, it's a lot of fun. Oh, it, it sounds like my kind of thing all the way. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. It's a lot of fun. Much more fun than my number two, which I'll get to soon. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> my number two, um, you know, a, a lot of these movies we talk about being like, you know, great movies with a dog in them uh we don't talk about the dog's performances per se but this one i feel like the dog's performance is uh it's just such an incredible standout in the history of dogs and movies uh it's john carpenter's the thing its origin alien location antarctica age unknown intent survival destination man john carpenter's the thing the ultimate in alien terror rated r starts friday at a theater near you check newspapers for local listings jed the alaskan malamute mix uh this performance is just ridiculous like you could talk about it in the history of movie performances, period, not just by an animal. Like, it's crazy. Like, this dog, just how natural it is that it 
it knows that something's wrong while it's in that cage while the other dogs are starting to mutate and mm-hmm. it's it's just horrifying and the dog like knows something is up and he starts trying to escape and chewing through the fence and uh you know, by all accounts, there's like, you know, no animal cruelty that was going on behind the scenes. But you kind of had to imagine that dog was like, you know, what the fuck are these people doing? Like, <laughs> what what is this movie they're making? You know, um, it, it's just it's so natural and real. And like the reaction that it has, it, it's just you could totally imagine that the dog is acting <laughs> like that's what it feels like. Like the dog is actually yeah. acting in that moment and it's wild. And, you know, of course the movie itself is like one of the great horror films and, and, uh, the great, uh, you know, examples of practical effects in movies of any kind of movie and, uh, Carpenter rules. I, I love John Carpenter and I heard him, he was recently on uh, the big picture podcast and he was talking about this dog and he was saying the dog was so good. He didn't even look into the camera. Um, which again, just kind of goes back to the dog's performance, just being like an actual good performance. Great pick. And, uh, on my honorable mentions, nice. I am a huge fan of the thing. It's one of my top five movies of all time, I'd say. And, uh, this dog is amazing in it. But I also thought that you might put it on your list because uh, we had talked about doing top five movie dogs directly after you had watched the thing. So yeah. I thought maybe that was kind of your inspiration. There you go. Yep. I I think I think it may have been. Yeah, I may have been just buzzing about this performance and like I'm gonna I'm gonna see about doing a top five movie dogs over there on <laughs> Force Five. So great pick here at number two. We're gonna continue with the horror theme for my number two. This is kind of one of my deep cuts in the dog genre. This is a 1989 film called Baxter, and the dog is Baxter. Is this one that's familiar to you? No, I don't even think I've heard of this one. It doesn't surprise me. It's a French film um, from 1989, so it's definitely not well known. But in terms of dog performances and dog movies, this one is pretty great. The tagline for the movie is Beware the Dog Who Thinks. Mm. It's about a white bull terrier who, if you're not familiar with white bull terriers, uh, I believe the target dog is like a white bull terrier. Right. If you're in the US. Um, His name is Baxter. He's given to an elderly woman by her daughter. And the old woman doesn't really want a dog, but kind of keeps him just because she's lonely. But she doesn't do much. And as time passes... Baxter develops really aggressive behavior because he wants to be adopted by another family, which he's watching from the window that's across the street. Um, He needs an owner that can challenge him. And so he does things to this old lady to make that happen. Uh, I won't say what, but uh, eventually that his plan works out. He's adopted by the family across the street. Everything's great until they have a baby. Uh, And then there's, you know, that's only like act two stuff here. It's a really interesting movie because it's told from the point of view of the dog, but it doesn't anthropomorphize the dog. Like the dog's not talking, but you are hearing the dog's thoughts and you're seeing the the, the world from his perspective, giving Mm. a, a look into this mind that's dominated by nature versus nurture. So he, you know, you're hearing the voice, but the humans obviously can't hear the voice. Um, yeah. But in terms of the nature stuff, he's bringing his master's dead animals in an attempt to show his owners that he wants to be uh, helpful. And 
he's a dog that as you hear his thoughts, he wants to be controlled. He wants to be dominated. He wants to be challenged. And eventually he finds his way into the care of the most terrifying person in the film, an 11 year old kid. And that's all I'm going to say about this 11-year-old kid, but that's when things get really crazy. It's it's really hard to recommend this as a film overall. It's listed – I guess on most sites, you'd either see it listed as a horror or a comedy. Mm, and yeah. it's a very dark comedy that I think a lot of the beats could be lost in translation. Uh, so I don't recommend this for everybody. It's a movie that will probably make people on the fence about getting a dog not want a dog. <laughs> but I got to say that the dog is a fantastic character. Baxter is a great character and he's actually way more interesting and nuanced than any of the human characters. He's by far the best thing about this movie. Uh, but it is a tough watch and it has some really tough moments to sit through. So, um, yeah, Baxter is my number two. It sounds absolutely fascinating, and as a lover of dogs and of really weird movies, um, I definitely need to seek this one out. It sounds great. This one, I think, is out. Well, I have a, I have the Blu-ray. I think Kino Lorber put it out. Okay. And as usual with foreign movies, watch the subtitles. Do not watch the dubbed version because I haven't seen the dubbed version, but I've heard that it's terrible. Okay. Like the the dubbing is bad. All right. Yeah. That sounds that sounds like a good idea. All right. We are here at number one, grand finale, top five movie dogs. Are we going to match up, David Rosen, who you got? All right. So instead of just saying the name of the movie, um, I'm going to describe the scene for you, and then we'll get <laughs> to the name. This, this is uh, one of my all-time favorite movie scenes. Um, so we've got Vivica A. Fox and her kid evacuating as... Uh, the city is being engulfed by flames and cars are just flying everywhere and a big gigantic wall of fire is engulfing the whole city and destroying everything. And uh, they're sitting in their parked car in the traffic right before a, uh, a tunnel and they get out and start running trying to outrun a wall of flames. And uh, as uh, Vivica Fox and her kid get to this a uh, little door in the side of the tunnel, they turn around and see that their uh, Labrador Retriever, um, a golden lab named Boomer, is still over by the car and they yell out, Boomer! And Boomer comes running and the music starts crescendoing. It's like dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun and it's big and exciting and the cars are flipping and Boomer starts running and the fire is coming and then at the last second, Boomer jumps out of the way of a big wall of fire and through the doorway and that's the end of the scene and the movie is Independence Day. July 2nd, they arrive. July 3rd, they attack. July 4th is... Independence Day. Coming this summer. And it uh, is the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. Um, but as a lover of dogs and as a lover of big blockbuster popcorn entertainment, um, it's just the greatest. And uh, I've, I've told the story many times that Independence Day, opening day, uh, when I was, um, I guess I would have been 15 at the time, uh, is mm -hmm. like all time my favorite 
cinematic experience of being a part of that crowd. And that scene just absolutely brought tears to my eyes. It's just so, it's ridiculous. It's what you go to the movies for. It's so much fun. And uh, I love it. Man, I don't remember this scene. It's been so long since I've seen Independence Day, but it sounds amazing. You can find the scene just alone on YouTube. Uh, clearly, there are other people that are as ridiculous as I am who just love <laughs> love the scene enough to just want to put that one scene up on YouTube and watch it over and over. But uh, yeah, go watch that scene when we're done. All right. Number one for you, Independence Day's Boomer, the Golden Retriever. All right, I'm going to definitely have to check that out. You know, my wife probably hasn't seen Independence Day ever, so maybe I'll have to toss that on and it's she time. can watch it for the first time. Oh, yeah. My number one here, my, my last two were kind of horror-centric. This one, I'm bringing it right back to the good side of things with some just one of the most feel-good dog movies that I have ever seen. I loved it when I was young. I love it now as I showed my kid this movie maybe six months ago for the first time. The movie is about, well, it's about two dogs and one cat. This is Homeward Bound from 1993. Nice. And the dog of the two, the dog I want to highlight, is the superior dog in the film, and that is Shadow, the Golden Retriever. From Walt Disney Pictures comes the story of three extraordinary friends on an incredible journey home. Home is just over that mountain. Wow. I hope you know what you're doing. A journey into danger. Whoa. Guys, wait up, wait up. Where they must work together. Oh. Hang on, sassy. If they hope to survive. Yeah. I mean, this is like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Walt Disney Pictures presents Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, rated G. Starts Friday, February 12th at a theater near you. This is a remake of the 1963 film, The Incredible Journey, which was based on a 1961 book and also features an American bulldog named Chance and then Sassy, a Himalayan cat. And um, this, the story is that they're all, they all belong to one family and Chance, this bulldog, voiced by Michael J. Fox, he's just a real – he's a real dick, I guess, for lack of a better word. <laughs> he doesn't feel any connection to family. He proceeds in the very first scene to ruin the parents' wedding. He eats the wedding cake, and he's just a real troublemaker. And uh, Bob, who's new to the family, he's uh, the, the kid's stepdad. He's uh, obviously – not very happy about this, but then finds out that he's getting a job in San Francisco and they can't take the the pets. So they make the very tough decision to leave the dogs with a family friend at a ranch in Colorado. Now, due to a mix-up, the owner of the ranch leaves town without the dogs. So um, just a real bad person to leave the dogs with, I guess. Yeah. But mm -hmm. these dogs are feeling abandoned. They're scared, obviously. And Shadow and Sassy decide to get Chance along with them to find their family in San Francisco. So this is a, a cross-country trek through the Sierra Nevada mountains to find their family. And along the way, you get some really exciting things. You, you have uh, rushing rivers and, and waterfalls they have to deal with. They go up in, against mountain lions, bears, even a porcupine. And it's a real fun adventure for really anybody of any age. But Shadow is this kind of uh, old timer dog who's been with the family for a long time, clearly the emotional core of the film. And during this journey, he's out to teach Chance what it means to be part of a family. And I tell you what, there's a, a scene near the end of the movie that I dare anybody to watch 
without eyes full of tears. Mm. And all I'll say is now all you have to learn is how to say goodbye. Voiced with a certain level of wisdom by Don Amici, who was a career Hollywood actor, um, and just a a great voice and and a stark contrast from the annoying chance, um, you know, the dog, uh, what was it, dog's rule, cat's drool (laughs) from the bulldog. And it's it's also got one of those amazing end scenes where, uh, again, you will have tears in your eyes. So I had to have Shadow from Homeward Bound as my number one. I, I feel like I loved that movie back when it came out, and I haven't seen it, you know, probably since the nineties. Um, I as as a animal lover, we also have three cats here. Um, I should probably rewatch that one of these days. Oh yeah, it's a wonderful movie, and you don't have to have kids to watch and enjoy this movie. It's it's just a really uplifting tale, uh, and and a good like cross country adventure. Yeah, highly recommended. Great pick. Now, I know that we talked before the show, you've got some honorable mentions. I know I've got some honorable mentions. Why don't you shoot off a couple of years? Sure, absolutely. Um, like I said, Prey was on my list, but uh, some other ones, uh, Brad Pitt's Bulldog in, uh, or Pitbull, I mean, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, which is Yeah, just, Brandy. Just She's on mine too. Awesome, awesome dog. Uh, the Rottweilers and Don't Breathe, which are terrifying, uh, back into the world of horror. Um mm-hmm. I would just say I, I can't narrow it down to one, so I'll just say every dog and best in show. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's just go go with that. Every single one of them, uh, yeah. and then lastly, uh, probably not a good movie. It probably doesn't hold up, but I loved it when I was like ten years old. Uh, Canine with Jim Belushi. I uh, talked about German <laughs> Shepherds earlier. Um, man, did I love that movie. Uh, I, I'm sure it's terrible, but uh, yeah, shout out to that that dog. Right on. Um, other honorable mentions on my list that hadn't been mentioned. S- speaking of German Shepherds, Samantha, the do- the German Shepherd from I Am Legend. Is oh, yeah. A great character. Uh, Chips from the Dawn of the Dead remake from uh, 2005, 2004 sure, came out. Sure, Yeah, that's a good one. Great dog. The Dobermans from the Doberman Gang, which came up in top five heist movies. Uh, I The only reason I didn't put them on this list is because they were already on a five list, but those dogs are amazing. Oh, I, don't, I don't think I have seen that, actually. I should watch that. I think that came out in 72, and it's a film about a a crew of bank robbers who train Dobermans to rob a bank. And all the Dobermans are named after famous like 1920s criminals. So like, I might watch this tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a great movie. That sounds so good. And if you like it, there are like three or four sequels in that universe. And it's the only thing that the directors ever directed out of these Doberman gang movies. It's kind of, kind of nuts. (laughs) Uh, and then two two more I want to shout out, uh, Lulu from the movie Dog with Channing Tatum, directed by Channing Tatum. Yeah. It's a really touching story. Uh, it is. But just couldn't make my cut. Yeah. And then uh, finally, we got to throw a shout out there to Air Bud. Mm, of course. Now, Air Bud is not going to be in my top five, but any dog that spawns 14 films, <laughs> there are 14 films in the Buddyverse, has to get a shout out on dog films. 
Amazing. Yeah. Every time a new one pops up and you get to see that cover, like even if you don't watch the movie, the covers are enough just to, to see the, the, <laughs> the posters. Uh, those are those are always great. So yeah, de- definite shout out to Airbud. You know, I actually have one other uh, honorable mention that I forgot to mention. Uh, Baxter from Anchorman. Uh, oh yeah, you know that that's another another good one, which I'd say is uh, fairly close to Harvey's personality. So, <laughs> <laughs> and a great scene uh, that we get to have with Jack Black featuring oh, Baxter. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> which might be the funniest uh, one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie. Absolutely. <laughs> David Rosen, awesome list. We got some really cool movie dogs for people to check out. Uh, Aside from in the show notes, where else do you want people to go to see more of your work? Yeah, well, uh, piecing it together, follow me on social media at PiecingPod. We also have a Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about on the show. And of course, my music, uh, you can check out, it's all under my name, David Rosen. Uh, It's on Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. Uh, The albums are available for sale as well on all the, the usual places you can buy music. Cool. Go listen to music. Go listen to some other podcasts. Again, everything will be in the show notes. David Rosen, thank you again for another successful top five list. Thank you so much for having me. Here's a quick recap of our top five dogs. David Rosen had Killer from Half-Baked at number five. At number four, the dog from No Country for Old Men. At number three, Halle Berry's dogs from John Wick 3. At number two, Jed from The Thing. And at number one, Boomer from Independence Day. Mine were Saudi from Prey at number five, Milo from The Mask at number four, Max from Man's Best Friend at number three, and number two, I had Baxter from 1989's Baxter, and at number one, I had Shadow from Homeward Bound. What's your favorite movie pooch? Let me know on social media, at Force5Pod on Twitter, at Force5Podcast on Instagram, and your comment might just make it to the next show. There are a few ways to support Force 5. Head over to force5podcast.com and hit up the shop for a shirt or a sticker or whatever. The Halloween shirts will be up starting October 1st. And if you haven't already, please review the show wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends to listen as well and become listeners with us. Intro and outro bumpers today come courtesy of Nate Spears. The top five list bumper was produced by me with music from Audio Binger. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and go watch some films starring some amazing pups. Hey, Keith. What's up, Cassidy? Do you like movies? Mm, what about reviews? Ugh, hell no. What about a podcast that critiques new movies, suggests old movies, provides analysis, lists, rankings, and other brutally honest opinions? Get it away from me. Well, if you change your mind, you can check out the MacGuffin Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. 